Hi, everybody. Eve Harrow, Rejuvenation on the Land of Israel Network. January 2nd, 2024, although like people are saying in Israel, no, it's the 80th day of October. The 21st day of Tevet, 5784, one of my kids' birthdays, so today's always a nice day for me, Hebrew birthday. Had a very intense week last week, shared it with a few people, one of whom is on the line. Um, Gabriel Boxer, the kosher guru, participated in the solidarity mission, the three-day, but it seemed like three weeks, the three-day solidarity mission that I did for one Israel fund last week. And I know how I felt about it, but you know, the guide is in a slightly different place than the people who are on the bus. So I asked Gabriel to come on today and uh, talk about that, talk about what he does. So thank you. You're back in the States. So uh, thank you so much for joining me in your morning. Thank you, and you're welcome. Unfortunately, just arrived uh, yesterday, uh, early evening back in the States, which I was still in Israel. And it's something you mentioned, just want to hit back before we uh, sure. introduce and go with, say what's going on. But you made a comment, it was three days, but felt like three weeks. Eve, it felt more than three weeks. What we and you jammed back, we as in the Wonderful Fun mission, but what you as the tour guide and the leader of that mission put into those three days People think we're being sarcastic by saying three weeks, but if they only experienced that mission, that was the reality. You really felt like it was three weeks, if not longer. Well, look, I mean, in addition to people wanting to come and do the things that people are doing on the Solidarity Mission, which are so important, we had a phenomenal, phenomenal barbecue for soldiers at Erodian. Big shout out to Yehuda Honigman. I mean, he put together, he brought a barber in so that the guys who hadn't had a haircut, you know, could also feel like a little, you know, fixed up. DJ, the works, he was amazing. It was beautiful to he talk was. to the soldiers. And, you know, and it just, you just, you hear from them what they're doing, where they're going, the families they've left, the guys, the girls, it's really something else. People from all over the country. It was really a special experience. And we also had, we treated a refugee, the group of refugees from Shuva. I'm going to call them refugees because they're not home. Just because they're sitting in the Israel doesn't mean they're not refugees. So now they're in Almog, which is on the northern tip of the Dead Sea. And we treated them to a dinner and gave them some games and toys. And uh, Scott Feltman, the CEO of One Israel Fund, you know, made sure to distribute that. And we, of course, were connected with Akubia, the games thing, one plus one. So it was really, we heard from them, about them, what their community was like, and uh, why they want to go home. You know, I mean, like, what did you think about that night? Because you could sense it wasn't just the physical place that they were missing. They were missing the community and what they do and what they build together. Right, Avraham? Hearing, hearing Avraham and hearing from a few other people, and actually when it first came in, was speaking to a few of them. As much as Almog is an amazing place and, mm-hmm. and so hospitable to bring them hospitable to bring them in, they want to go back home. They miss their community. They miss their friends. They miss, you know, waking up to their own in their own house, their own bed, their own big Knesset, their own routines. I, I, I actually felt you could see and almost I want to use the word taste the camaraderie they have as a community. It was really amazing just hearing them speak. And as I think it was Abraham who was up front telling us about the community and, and that day, but the other people who were just like, well, like chiming in. They really are like almost one the shama. They really are all together right. to see them separated and 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 and, and really splintered. Because I think they said there were some people somewhere else with their families, so on and right. so forth. Right. You, you you feel you know when you have communal 
camaraderie. And now it just was taken apart, not because you took it apart, because Hamas, October 7th, took it apart. And they're waiting for that, you know, those like Lego blocks to go back in. To go home in every sense of the word. Physically, emotionally. Yeah. And to go back and have normalcy again. And unfortunately, it's just not there right now. Well, he made a fascinating point that I think really speaks to every Israeli is we got used to a situation that we shouldn't have gotten used to. You know, like October 7th, they said, oh, it's rockets again, which is like insane. You know, really, we we were. By the way. Yeah, go ahead. By the way. And if you recall, he's not the only one that mentioned that that we got used to something we shouldn't. Um, I I do want to just backtrack to the introduction of who I am and what I do. But before I go to that, whether. The way I explain to a lot of people, myself, my family experienced October 7th. We were in Israel on October 7th. We were in Israel all summer. We flew in Motzei Rosh Hashanah, spent a beautiful Yom Kippur uh, before Sukkot, a beautiful Sukkot, uh, Chalamoa there, and then, of course, October 7th. you have a daughter which, in school here this year? you have a daughter studying this year? I do have a daughter okay. in seminary in Shalavim for women. Okay. And it's it sad because my said in a way of what happened, but my one of my, my middle daughter, I have three, I have one son, three daughters. My middle daughter, her birthday is October 7th. Oh. And we were supposed to wake up to a beautiful Simchat Torah, Shabbat. Right. Right. And wow. my my younger daughter, Ella Rose, wakes me up. We were in Yushalayim, wakes me up around eight, runs into our room around eight. I forget if it was eight, eight, three, whatever it was. The sirens, the sirens, Iron Dome, it's going off. And I'm thinking to myself, as an American, I'm, I'm in Israel, it's Simchat Torah, eight, eight, three, Shabbat morning. Oh, please, it's my alarm clock. I don't even have an alarm clock. I was trying to joke with her. It's my alarm clock. Don't worry. Go back to bed. It's nothing. Which doesn't usually, Jerusalem, which doesn't usually get right. Correct. And I'm thinking, and no, no, she keeps running in. No, the security in the complex, we got to go down to the Miklat. I'm like, what are you talking about? And then as the day progressed, but that's not where I want to go. And I want to take a step back. And because of what Avraham said and what other people said, I have always explained to people, and this is the sad reality. If you really think about how sad it is, not that anyone should ever live through it, but children in Israel, teenagers, young adults, adults in Israel, unfortunately, have lived through and understand what, when the red alerts, when the sirens go off, what it means to run to a shelter, what it means to, to run to, you know, your safe room, your miklats. You take an eight-year-old American child who grew up her entire life, visited Israel many times, thank God, very lucky, but grows up in America and never had to experience or learn in school the process of how many seconds, depending where you are, you have to get to your miklat, to your safe room, to your shelter, and then all of a sudden she's there in October, you know, wow. on October 7th, experience that the, the 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 trauma that she went through, the traumatic was that it wasn't until today, until, until I got back, actually, that she says, I want to go back to Israel. For months, 88 days, she did not want to go back to Israel. She did not want to go to Israel. She did not want to go back. The the, the trauma she went through, and I think the many she's times... Right. Like, she's rational. Who wants to go back to a situation like this? It's scary. Correct. Yeah. But thank God I was able to go back many times since then and, and help out with a lot of different um, situations, we'll call right. them, going to them more after. She sees that, explain to her, it is safe. We're able to fight back. We're able to be, you know, who we are and protect ourselves. Unfortunately, what Abraham said, we let that become a reality. We should never have let that. We should never have normalized those attacks. An occasional rocket attack. Like, okay, this will pass. That's that's insane. That's insane, especially when the people who are shooting those rockets, they're they're loading up. And we only we know now how much they loaded up. This isn't just like they're having a hissy fit about something. They want to destroy Israel, period. 
They want us to not be here, not even because they want it for themselves or they want it to be better. They just hate the Jews. And, and that's the bottom line. I think that's what we all learned since October 7th. It's, but yeah, Avraham, I mean, he told us flat out. It was just, uh, and now we all see that. Now we totally all see that. So tell us where you, I mean, you're back and forth all the time. Why? What, what are you doing? What's Kosher Guru? So first of all, Kosher Guru is my, we'll call it side gig, my fun gig, um, to actually make Parnas and be able to pay the bills and buy the <laughs> airline ticket to go back and forth. I'm in, I'm a partner in Merchant Marketplace, which is a fintech company. Look up online, www.merchantmarketplace.com. Uh, we do peer-to-peer investments where we invest in small businesses in America and allow um, credit investors like you and all around the world to partake in um, that form of uh, investments. Uh, but Kosher Guru is was my passion, is my passion. I've been right. in the food industry for many years growing up as a child. Um, then I made the switch about eight, 10 years ago to fintech and finance. But it still is a passion on social media. I really portray and love to share my kosher lifestyle. So kosher could be, I, it's everyone's on a different level, different madrega, as they say in right. Israel. I just share my experiences. I love kosher travel, kosher food, kosher restaurants, recipes, kosher living, kosher fashion, whatever that means to me. I share with the world. They could partake. They could watch. They can enjoy. They could take some recommendations or not. Up to you. Could follow on Instagram, TikTok now, Facebook, so on and so forth. But it's really sharing um, just my lifestyle and, and and what I love and my passion about kosher food and um, kosher restaurants and kosher travel, as I said. I've always been a big advocate, of course, of Israel and the Jewish people. And then, which gets to your question, being and experiencing Israel on October 7th, and the crazy part is being in Israel all summer long and experiencing um, from the left side all the Hafganot, all the protests. We spent some time in Tel Aviv and other words, um, other areas. And then comes October 7th and what happens. And it's just crazy that almost an erasure of the split, the dichotomy between the you know the few different camps in in Israel, right. and and I wish we did not need October seventh to bring the achdut that we have now, but Unity. to figure out as, yeah. as in politics we talk about the day after, but I also look at the day after how to keep that achdut together between all the camps. Um, the terrifying. There's an expression in Hebrew in a blink of an eye, and that's exactly what happened. Literally in the blink of an eye, a lot of those protests. Although there's still a few people out there who are trying. I was to just saying, there's still a small a small minority, but it used to be that. here, and now it's Shut here. <laughs> Um, oh, yeah, but they're exactly. still there, unfortunately, but we're working yeah. on them. We'll get to okay. them. Okay, But the people themselves, I mean, like I talked to my sons who were in the army and other people who were in the army. I'm sure you did also. You have guys literally willing to die for each other. And this is not hyperbole who would have been on the opposite sides of the fence on October 6th. Disagree on almost everything. And one of my sons said to me that one of the side benefits, because he's in an area that's a little bit quieter. One of the side benefits of having some downtime is getting to talk to people you would ordinarily never meet. And sometimes I think that that's like what the temple was about also. That was, I know, but the temple and the army are two very different things. But you have a place that draws people from every different place because it forces you to be with people that you ordinarily would not have in your sphere. If you're a farmer, you hung out with farmers, shepherds, shepherds, high-tech people hang out with high-tech people, right? And so the army, Lahavdil, right, to compare to the temple, is that, that place right now. And so they have realized, he said to me, 80% of the people agree on 80% of the issues. Okay, there's a Which tremendous amount of unique. Really? Yeah. Did you ever think you would say 80%? Forget about everything else you, you, you said, but that, to say that 80% of the people are agreeing on 80% of the issues, exactly. I, as when I say an outsider, that I live in America, my heart and my soul's with Israel, living in Israel, but I unfortunately right now still live in New York on the right. outside. 
have I, I never would have imagined someone like you who lives in Israel saying that. Right, right. So that's been like a side benefit. And I hope that that's still, you know, that carries even after the war, because, you know, it seems like there's a little bit of a discordance between the people who are running things and the people who are actually getting the things done and unfortunately dying in the trenches, literally, and the and the civil society that has just been awesome. So that was some of what we tried to do to get back to Solidarity Mission, is not just sit with the refugees and do things with the soldiers, but also we went to a, the last thing that we did, of course, was go to a farm, pick parsley. This guy, he told me he's 70 percent down, his, you know, because all of his sons and everybody were taken into the army. So they're planting 70 percent less. He's got none of his workers are there. You know, they're obviously earning that much less. Also, they're just trying to keep it going. So a lot of people have been volunteering. We had the opportunity to do that also. Um, but also to meet, and that's something that is very important to me, is meeting people, not just going to places. And it's something that we put into this mission um, that we met with these women in Tokoa. What did you think of them, the, the women? Oh, God. So before we talk about the powerful women in Tokoa, uh, and I do want to spend a, a nice amount of time talking about it because I was blown away by that. Right. I just want to go back to something that you mentioned in, in the beginning before I forget. So first of all, yes, you gave a huge shout out to Judah Hanukkah, who I know for a very, very long time. Mm-hmm. And it's funny because so many times he always invites me to Tekoa. So if Judah's listening, I apologize. I made it to Tekoa this time. We'll send him I, the always thought, I always thought Tekoa was literally right next to a front. I never knew where it actually was. I'm, yeah, I'm you told me that. You said you've I did tell you that. here. Where are we? Right, because when we're driving down the roads in the villages and you took me to the call, I'm like, Holy cow, I never realized where it was. I just always thought it was right next to it in the gush. Never as it was like in the eastern part of what you said. Right. Um, and then speaking about Judah Hanukkah one more time with the barbecue. One thing that the barbecue brought out to me, and I was at a barbecue a few nights before um, with friends who threw it down um, near uh, Kisufim, by, which I was blown away. And, and this is what I've been seeing transcending into all these other barbecues I've been to. October 7th happened, and there were many people in the Haredi community who were hit by, what do we do now? One the second. Orthodox, yeah. Right. We're, we're Israeli. We live here, and we haven't served our country. And I, I personally believe that we need Torah learning and army and might, and, and they have to you know go hand in hand, and there has to be some type of meshing of the both and not mm-hmm. a conversation for now on that. But so many of them who I've spoken to almost felt guilty of never serving the army, partaking and the way they were brought up of not appreciating um, the IDF to the level that they should. And I was at a barbecue, which sort of leads into this, by an organization, there were Slonim Hasidim, Skver, uh, Ger, I forgot who wow. else. That He's that, talking about the Hasidic courts, like the different cor- groupings. Correct. Of, who who the have day jobs, they, they work, they make a, a, a living upon us, and at night they've been going to different places, cooking, Wow. And barbecue for Kylan because they said all that's volunteer. the only way. All volunteer. All volunteer. All volunteer. Some of them using their own money trying to get all volunteer, giving back. And they even went to a base of all women to show, um, wow. mainly women to show. And they were serving them. Like, no, no, we're here to serve you. They couldn't believe it. The 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 the, the female soldiers couldn't believe it. The the male soldiers, the, the interacting, they would dance with them and they get, get to know each other and to appreciate each other. I saw that. I forgot the name of their organization or mm-hmm. whatever that they made. And then I go a few nights, literally three nights later, with one Israel fund and Judah Hanukkah we did by by the Herodian base, speaking to a Drew soldier. I think you were speaking to him also. Yes. There was a Drew soldier there, yes. and, and 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 so many soldiers who are not religious at all. Bedouin, they were Arabs. Yes, correct. And, and all together, but 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 seeing us as 
our mission, our delegation with one of them, we were all from America, New York, New Jersey, some Florida, some Chicago, but mainly all Americans coming in, showing the appreciation to them, meaning we didn't care who they are, what they are, where they're from, you know, this side of the uh, fence, that side of the fence, meaning right, left, this, that, yeah. religious, that, religious, all biyachad, all together, the achdut the, the that we all had, um, meaning that... We're all fighting this war together. I mean, but, we understand but, that the Hamas is evil against all of us. Sorry, but... Uh, I'm gonna they get to killed, that second, they killed Bedouin. They killed Bedouin and Thai workers on October seventh. Also, I mean, I was just, it's, it's funny you mentioned. I was going to say the Thai workers also, and, and more yes. videos are coming out yes. of just the atrocities of it. The atrocities of it. Just to go back a second, the 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 the, the unity as Israelis. Now, not Jews, because there were Bedouins, Christians, you mm-hmm. know, Jews. Mm-hmm. That unity is insane. And with what you what you just mentioned bothers me a lot. I speak to a lot of people. And once again, unlike you, you're a tour guide, but to me, you're more of a historian than anybody else. <laughs> I am not a historian. And one huge shout out, if people think I talk a lot, I can't believe, and I actually usually sometimes fall asleep on these bus rides. I stayed up because you talked the entire time and the <laughs> knowledge, the knowledge that you have, and I'm not here on the show giving you a pound on the back, being serious, like super impressive, was insane. Like what you Thank know, you was insane so yeah book eve side advertisement i'm not as a paid spokesperson <laughs> so book her on a tour ride um oh, but you. all joking aside i'm very lucky that my parents and grandparents and even certain great-grandparents came to uh the u.s and canada before even world war one so i don't have direct family we'll call it that experienced the holocaust where they survived right. the parish you know distant cousins family but not direct right um and I'm not a historian to give you breakdown of years, but if you take the Holocaust, which was documented by the Nazis, because they wanted to make a, a, a museum of the Jew afterwards, as they thought they would do. Extinct people, yeah. How many years did it take for society as a whole? And I'm sure I'm not talking about little people here, but society as a whole to what's called have Holocaust denial. The craziest part, we're living now in 2024, was 2023, October 7th, Hamas terrorists, this evil, barbaric terror regime, on their TikToks or Instagram or live feeds, they videoed and also documented the barbaric atrocities, rape, murder, burning people, what they did. They documented, shared it. And then just like that, the next day you have people that denying it ever happened. That's the crazy or, okay, or justifying it, which I don't know. It's That may even be worse. You want to deny it because you can't wrap your mind around just go read the New York Times article that came out a couple of weeks ago. If you have, or last week, everybody, if you haven't yet, about the sexual assaults on the women, just read that. Okay, don't don't read it after you've eaten, though. Okay, and that's the New York Times, which is not known as a pro-Israel paper. Okay, so it, there's denying it, and maybe because again, you can't, you don't want to live in a world where there are creatures that can do this, but justifying it, I think, is even worse. Saying, well, it's because Israel's been so bad to them, and and that's why they had to come out and do these kinds of things. I'm like stuck between, I, I, I don't, but if you believe in either of those things, for me, you are a completely immoral person and I don't want to have anything to do with you. And it seems like there's a lot of people on that side. I and know. it's crazy because you talk about Israel totally withdrew from Gaza in 2005. The people of Gaza elected Hamas, which of course an election turned into how many years that they stayed in power, but the people were okay with it and we see how the citizens uh, really feel about Hamas and mm-hmm. that they all partook. I think there, there's no innocence there. Um, there are no innocents agreed. 
The army um, is uncovering all this school, you know, all this, this, uh, the school books and, and their whole education. It's all about education. Any parent listening to this knows it's all about how you educate your child. That entire, that entire population is complicit in what happened. It's, it's we educated tragic. our children as having peace and, and, and love and so much life, more and, and, life. and life. And there was all hatred and murder. It's, it's insane. Yeah. Um, One of the hostages who was let out, she actually very bravely gave an interview on Israel TV this week. Mia Shem, she, right? Yeah. Yes. And yes. this was a girl. She's yeah, tattoos everywhere. Like, you know, and she said, and she was, it seemed like on the left before this all started, she said, they're just an evil society. Some kid came into the room with a bag of candy, gave it to his father who was in the room with her and then, and then showed her the bag and then shut it and left. She just like mean to, and she was starving. Of course she said, there, she was with a family. She was with inside of a family, and that being kept hostage. She said, "They're all, they're all, they're all evil." And it was wow. That was a really not a lot of the hostages, and they should all get out safe and whole. Even though as every day ticks by, it seems less likely. But the ones that are speaking, very bravely speaking, um, is just shocking to hear. It, it really is what 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 they went through. So, I mean, if we already brought up the thing of hostages, that last day, Gabriel, when we went to where the Nova Festival happened, which was a last minute decision on my part, um, it wasn't on the original itinerary. And the first two days, one in Judea, one in Samaria, meeting these incredible people, seeing the, the first responder units and some of the things that supplies that we've given to them. And the strength, but first we needed to see the strength of the people. But there's one of the discussions that I had with somebody when in planning this trip who said we should start, the first day we should start in one of the communities near Gaza. And I said, absolutely not. Because this didn't start on October 7th. This started 75 years ago. What happened on October 7th was the collapse of the conception that we can actually live with these people in one way or the other, two states, I don't know, whatever have you. All of that collapsed. First, we need to see how strong the people are. The soldiers on the front, the women of Tekoa, which we, you know, the, who are who are saying we need to have better security in the communities, all of that, all of that, the people volunteering night and day. I mean, we had fourteen-hour days, and only then, when I saw how the group had handled that and that they got that message, only then did I think to myself, okay, we need to make a change in the itinerary, and we need to go down to that forest where all of that happened. Where one of the people on our group said to me. This is like being in Treblinka in June of 1945. So I was watching you when you got off the bus. Can you, and you are have no shortage of words. Can you find the words to tell the listeners so what was I, going I, through I, your head? Okay, but then we, after that, I'd like to go back to Tekoa because okay. you keep talking about Tekoa and right. I skipped we'll over that, but there. I want to go back to women's Tekoa. So for full transparency, I was at the Rayam um, picnic site, we'll call it whatever you want to call it over there, a few weeks ago, maybe almost four weeks ago. Right. Um, Yechiel Fishman, who I think you know from Efrat, yes. took me yeah. there. Um, and it was a much different experience, and I'll tell you why. And, and I'm actually, my whole insides, like Kishka's attorney now. Then it was almost totally empty, meaning when we went to visit, there were still items strewn all over the place. They just took the cars with the day before, but we had like, like there was Nova menus of the drinks of menus of, you know, how much the drinks were. There were still so many chairs and, and we saw their bracelets. There was so much stuff still there on the floor that we saw. Um, I understand Nova Fest was trying to be more, um, um, for the agriculture, for whatever they had, you know, bring your drink cup, recycle, get a free shower, a free bottle of water. We saw all those signs. Right, right, we saw right. so much there. 
and that day there was not much else right very environmentally there was no one really else there there was actually one um we're gonna call it mishmar gavul i think was truck from up in the golan there were four guys there national guard basically yeah they were they were they were not young soldiers they were older and he was there because his friend's neighbor his friend's neighbor was abducted that day and the abduction was broadcast on tiktok or put live so they actually came down to find that exact spot and they found it where because using wow. whatever gps and and the seeing the grounds of where the abduction happened to lay a yurt site candle and to say kaddish for them that's what the family asked and you talk about zero religiosity whatsoever just the, the fact of what you're seeing now and right, everything else right. and it was very eerie back then it was like very empty very eerie fast forward to the other day when one is off on when you took mm-hmm. us there and all of a sudden we're getting off the boat off the bus and i i'm just the feeling i'm having right now just experiencing and to see that they put up the poles with all the pictures it, it, it almost brought that day to life in a sense of you see what's going on and you're understanding that just a few minutes into that day into that in, in into that morning the most nightmarish thing happened to these young kids just trying to, you know, they were enjoying their festival, right. their their trans music and uh, whatever and they were dancing. And a lot of spirituality, by the way, from from an article that I read. There's a lot of kids who grew up religious who wouldn't consider themselves religious anymore who attend festivals like this because they said it's actually a very spiritual experience. You're watching the dawn and you're you just you're with people who love you and you're just listening to music. And yeah, obviously there's some chemicals involved usually, but you know, that they, they really, they, they felt that that was missing in organized religion. This is a total tangent and they're coming there to dance and to really connect with God. So, you know, things are not as they seem. It's not like, Oh, with Simchat Torah, why weren't they in synagogue dancing? They were dancing in their own way. And they were like totally innocent and totally like just at one with the universe. all over the world. And by yeah, the people from over like 24 countries or something, it wasn't yeah. only Israelis, it was yeah. all over. trying to connect with something bigger. And in that moment of total innocence, you could even say, and to really trying to connect with the universe, call it karma, call, I don't care what you call it, call it God, that's also good. Then that's when the, the most evil of evil of evil comes and attacks them. It's like, it's just mind boggling what happened there. And, and you're talking about people who had zero badness and there, there, there was no right. evil in these people no evil ulterior motives or motives their their whole motive was peace love happiness think of it yeah. as, as almost like the way i explain to people just so they have an understanding of think of it as this is their woodstock like what woodstock is to you know to a lot of right. americans who are understanding these type of music right. festivals right. who are so far removed from this generation this was their woodstock type of vessel so we get off and you see first of all all the pictures on the placards who were in that dancing area we'll call it but, and I usually don't cry, and I cried, and I did not cry the last time I was there. But when I forgot her name, I forgot her last name, I actually just remembered her first name was Karen. Her family was there, and they oh put the God. sign up, and oh her mother, God. father, aunt, uncle were there at the site, and they're showing you the family albums, the picture books. They're showing you um, her social media of what, uh, you know, an amazing young lady she was, you know, having fun, life, just just, just living her life. I think she was 24 years old, if I'm not yeah. mistaken, yeah. from speaking to the family. And and she, then, they're, they're the walking dead. I mean, you look at them, and, like, there's nothing to say. I mean, they're, they're so imbued with grief that it's coming off them in waves. It was a physical thing. 
you just you just go so hug them because you, there's nothing to say. It's just Correct. nothing to say, and they know that she didn't die peacefully in her bed, either. You know, which is or just at, or at a ripe old age where she had a full life. You're talking about right, right. But to be standing there at that spot, and somebody said to me, "Is this the field where they were all running across?" You know, in those famous videos that we see. And I said, yeah, and they said, but, but Eve, it was brown. Why is it green now? And I said, well, because it was Simchat Torah. It was the end of Sukkot. And at the end of Sukkot, we pray for rain. Because right. the cycle of the land of Israel is we got six dry months and six wet months. And that's what we do at the end of that holiday is pray for rain. And God answered those prayers. And nature does its thing. And now the field is green. So it's been a few months. And you could just you could see the changes in the terrain because the land is the land. But, but the field um, that day was red. The field uh, that day was, was red. red. Yeah, the field that day was red. And you so feel it when you're there. I mean, that was that was really very, uh, you know, and then we went to one of the communities, Nativa Saran, got a private tour from That the, was, by the way, so just to go back real quick before we leave, in the Nova Fest, I could, I could almost close my eyes going off and you could just see all the young people dancing and, and right. having a great time. Then we go to Nativa Saran, which was also- Infiltrated. Like, well, well yeah. you, you, you're- know the history of that community you've been there before it's my first time there you're talking about a community that was so into peace and driving their neighbors one of the houses was the closest one to the gaza border they're driving their arab neighbors to hospitals giving them money giving them money just to go buy yeah. things you're talking about the most peace-loving people there's and a whole mosaic there's an enormous wall protecting them from gaza because every single one of those houses have been shot at over the years uh, you know, holes in the roof and everything, but they still have this enormous wall there with a mosaic on it to peace. Somebody said to me, you want to take a picture in front of this? And I said, not feeling it right now. When this peace mosaic is on the other side of the wall, when the wall doesn't have to be here at all, then maybe I'll come and take a picture. But these are these were people who so believed in the goodness of mankind and they paid for it. They were burnt in their homes. They were shot in the street. I mean, the the deputy, the deputy security guy there walked us around and told it you could and you could see also. I mean, he lost his friends. He was protecting the community. You know, you it's just it's just almost too much to take. It really is. I mean, the only reason that I can handle it is because I didn't go through it. And I feel like if they're not completely falling apart, I don't have the right to completely fall apart. What I need to do is bring people to these places to educate them as to what happened here, to make sure that we finally internalize who we're up against. Enough of this, like. Okay, we'll give them the benefit of the doubt. No, these are people who want to destroy Western civilization, Jews and Christianity alike. And we better understand that because when we let our guard down, October 7th happens and it can't happen again. Just can't. Just can't. So, yeah. I'm not going to get into it, but we really let our guard down and it was, we see what happens. We see what happens. All right, let's get back to Tacoa. But I have to throw in some Torah here for a second because as I read you guys on the bus when we left the where the Nova was, 3,000 years ago, a very similar thing happened there. Read Samuel 1, chapter 30. David's wives and other, the other families of his Jewish, his Judean soldiers, their town of Ziklag is destroyed by the Philistines and their wives and children are taken hostage. And he comes down to that area to find them and to release them and to fight. So crazy that the Tanakh, the Bible has everything. And here again, in the same place, not against the same enemy. These are not in any way, shape, or form related to the our ancient enemy, but that same repetition. All we can hope is that we have leadership on the level of David. But when I was reading that from Samuel, I was like, oh, wow. I mean, they're just the same things over and over and over again. So I've already brought up Tanakh. So we go to Tekoa, 
And one of the things that they talk about in the Bible is the wise woman of Tekoa, associated with olive oil. It doesn't matter. And we went, and I know you want to talk about them, and we went and met some wise women of Tekoa. So what did you think about that meeting? Okay. This is insane. So you're talking about modern-day heroes. These women, first of all, not to go in and become politically correct or incorrect of, you know, whose responsibility right (laughs) (laughs) whose responsibility is in 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 a house whether the man does this the woman does this let's talk reality on the ground reality on the ground is with sab shimona which means a lot of people called up to the army on reserve duty miluim um and i forgot the numbers if you want to fill it in but the amount of no 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 the amount of men in that community that were called up and are now no longer in that community they are in reserve duty whether in the area or up north or down south you're now left with a community with a few hundred families, whatever the exact number is, who are the men in the community are mainly not living in the community anymore. They are gone, which means the women in that community are taking care of the children, working, uh, working cooking for them, laundry, whatever else they got to do, taking them, driving them here, their extracurricular activities, school, this, that. And on top of it, now having to protect themselves, their family, their community, because unfortunately we know that for many, many years, and that's why One Israel Fund and you, Eve, um, and Scott and Wills have been doing so much of what you've been doing, that a lot of communities are not fully secured and protected the way they should be, um, whether it's with the army or um, where they should be with cameras right. and Cameras, drones, and- vests, shout out to Mark Provisor and Yochai, who supplied a lot of that over the last few months but even more beforehand so that we didn't have those situations arising here. Yeah, Correct. And absolutely. these and, and, and these powerful women, I mean, and I really mean that powerful women are not locking themselves in their house, crying to themselves. They are making they noise. Band together. They band together. I forgot. It's Hatsafot is the organization. They had made noise to bring this issue to the table, to the Knesset, to the press, that they deserve. They deserve security. And to arm themselves to learn how to, you know, legally arm themselves, legally protect themselves. You want to talk about settler violence? Talk about the Arabs and who's actually causing all the violence. Not the people who are protecting themselves from violence, defending themselves and defending the innocent civilians of their community and their families. Um, And unfortunately, they're put in this predicament and they are not staying silent they are speaking up for themselves and their families and communities they're doing amazing amazing work and hearing them hearing their stories and 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 the craziness of how real they are just so real with no ulterior motive except to live they want to live correct one of them one of them is in a wheelchair because an arab in a big truck hit her eight years ago it was written down as an accident. It was clear that it was terrorism. We have that on the roads all the time here. So she's in a wheelchair. One of the other ones, her brother was killed um, in a stoning attack when he was 13 years old, Kobe Mandel. They had, to, they had to identify him by his dental records. That's how bad his body was. So she grew up with that. Another one, I just happened to know her husband, because um, he's a tour guide, was involved in defending people. There was a whole terror incident, and he was able to like help people out of that. And he was also hurt. So it's like, they're not bystanders. They know very, very well what it is. And I don't know if you guys can hear as it turns into dusk here in Israel, but the Moisin, the prayers are happening right now in Bethlehem, right across the valley from where we're taping this in my house. And I'm hearing, you know, the calls to prayer and, uh, you know, okay, I don't expect them to sing the Israeli anthem to sing Hatikva, but you know, we know very well now what's going on in the mosques, the incitement in the mosques. That's what they found 
in Gaza also, every mosque, every UNRWA, every kindergarten, full of, full of, full of, full of incitement. And we're not kidding ourselves that that's happening across the valley. So these women of Tekoa are, they're not, we happen to meet with ones in Tekoa, but they're representing the women all over Judea and Samaria who are saying our husbands and we're sending them with full hearts. They're going into the army to fight for the people who live in the Western Negev, to fight for the people who live in the North. And that's what, that's what the army does. You don't just protect your own home. You go wherever you're needed, wherever the crisis is. But we're left behind and we're the third front. And we need to hear that as well. So, yeah, that was why it was super important. I'd read about them in the newspaper a couple weeks before, and it was super important for me to take you guys to meet them and to see really the civilians, because, you know, the strength of all that's happening here is most definitely the civilians. And the army is getting a lot of play, as they should, as they should. The soldiers are just beyond belief how their morale and their everything that they're doing. But behind each one of them is an entire family who's doing their best to stay secure and very often is going to have to deal with the aftermath of some of these soldiers aren't coming home. So we didn't, you know, we didn't do that. All these women. But you're, talking about there, the, but... you're talking about the morale. And I got to tell you, thank God I was lucky enough and had the honor and privilege to join you and one Israel fund <laughs> on this amazing mission that Eve, you were insane. And we could talk about more about you, but it's your show. So everyone already knows who you are and everything else. <laughs> well, we can talk more about you. Um, and how you planned and really came through with, from beginning to end, the most amazing mission. But you talk about morale, and you took us to the Pinachama at uh, at the at the Gush Junction, right? Correct. Right. And and every place we go to, the thank you and the thanks that we get from the soldiers, even if, even if we don't bring a gift, we right. brought lots of gifts. We gave out lots of food, lots of thank yous. But they said. Just by you coming here, by showing your support, saying thank you to them means so much to them. Stores that were empty in Jerusalem and, and other places, the store owners came up and said, even if you don't buy anything, thank you for coming to Israel. Thank you for coming to our store. Thank you for being here. Unfortunately, you know, because as a tour guide and one of the most amazing tour guides out there, you know the tourism industry in Israel right now. I hang out with this. you more often, yeah. No problem. <laughs> um, no problem. Um, you we know that unfortunately that the tourism industry in Israel is nowhere near where it used to be. Oh, um, remember, tourism used to be a lot of countries from all over Europe, all over the world. Christian we're just recovering from Corona. We were just Correct. coming back from the couple years of pandemic. Yeah, and 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 seeing all these places um, that have nobody right now. And when we come as Anglo Jews from around the world, whether you're in America, South Africa, Australia, Europe, wherever it is, South America, Central America, wherever it is, you you know, your Jewish community and you're living, I truly, truly say if you're able to, or if you could find a way, buy a ticket, go to Israel, whether it's on a mission or just being there, the support and the show of solidarity, show of appreciation that you're giving means so much. And I think Eve, you as living in Efrat, living over there, you know, understand what I'm saying and goes a very, very long way. And it's it's two-sided because everybody that I saw here also felt, went home, and I know you did as well, you told me that, just feeling like very inspired to belong to Israel. You know, and a lot of people talk about the Holocaust and how October 7th was the worst day since the Holocaust. But this is not a Holocaust. 75, 80 years ago, we had nobody to protect us. And now we do. And nobody's going to be messing with the Jews without paying for it anymore. So yes, we took a deep blow, but we are not back helpless in the 1940s Poland. And 
the truth is that a lot of Israelis are worried about you guys, and I'm sure you heard that also. What about the anti-Semitism and you have security in front of your synagogue and your kids can't go to university and there's swastikas being painted on the kosher stores? And so, you know, people talking here are about, hearing Talking that. about the kosher stores it, it, and, and, and what you just said, it's my, you, know, you say custom, it's my minhag on a Saturday night at Motzei Shabbat when I'm in Jerusalem, Shalim, at my in-law's apartment. I usually take my wife, kids, whoever I'm with. We walk uh, a few blocks down to Bartok Pizza, to Motzei Shabbos, <laughs> go to hang out, I get some delicious pizza. They have all kinds of beers and cocktails and drinks. It's just a fun, fun place. And I don't have to feel... I don't have to look over my shoulder. I don't have to worry about it. Even though Gedalia, the one of the owners, you know, uh, who runs the place, is a chayal, and sometimes has his M16 over there protecting us. Um, but all joking aside and having delicious pizza, I don't feel nervous. I don't feel I have to look over my shoulder. A lot of places right now in New York that, and many you've seen on the news, some have been vandalized. Um, people walking down the block in Manhattan and, and yelling and screaming anti-Semitic, you know, epithets and and, and, and and spitting at people, whatever else it is. I'm sure you we're really, not hearing most of the stories either. We're hearing the big not. ones, I, like I, the Jewish students who have to like sequester themselves in some classroom in the university in the because they're and physically afraid. How do we turn this back? I mean, no, I'm now speaking to an, so as an Israeli who's in the middle of a war, but I really am worried so about you I, 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 I was born and bred in New York. I grew up in Queens, New York, live in what's called the Five Towns area for over 20-something years. And I travel the world. As I told with Coach, I, I really love traveling all over. And I always wear my yarmulke proudly. I always wear my yarmulke and my tzitzis. I never wear a baseball hat. I always wear, you know, I'm Jewish and proud. And I... Aside from, I'm going to be honest, and Mike had something aside. One time when I was in Paris, I felt a little bit whatever. Okay. Uh, but really, everywhere, I never, I was in Zanzibar, Tanzania this summer. Um, I was, we travel all over, and I never felt or experienced anti Semitism. But now, and this is scary, as I'm born in New York, I have a son in Yeshiva University. I'm scared. I, I'm scared to take, take the subway now. I'm scared to wear my yarmulke in the subway. I'm scared to take even the Long Island Railroad into either you know Grand Central Station or Penn Station in, in, in Manhattan. I'm scared to walk around the streets of Manhattan with my yarmulke on. And I never thought as an American Jew I would say that. I never thought growing up my entire life and always taking subways and buses and public transportation right. when I had right. to in the city that I would ever be afraid to be a Jew openly and publicly on the streets of New York City. It's scary. Eve, it's scary here. How does, um, this, how does this go back to the way it was? I mean, I wonder if it can. I don't know I if it can. I wonder if something's I, been unleashed here. I, I, I was going to say, if the can of worms was open, you can always put them all back into the can. Um, but you're a student of history. You're a student of Tanakh, and, and, and you talk about you know history all the time when you give your Torah groups. Right. How long do nations or world powers last within history? Not very long. How many years we've in seen past this, histories? We've seen this movie before. That's why anti-Semitism is probably the most irrational hatred ever. And, and, and how when many countries get rid of their Jews, be it Spain, be it wherever, they collapse. They collapse. Yeah. But, but uh, Europe has replaced its Jews with Muslims. Let's see how, how well many, that goes for them. And you see how well it's going already. But mm -hmm. Jewish communities who thought they were safe, whether it was in this empire, that empire, this country, that country, how many years were they really safe in those countries when the tide right. started to change? And unfortunately, you know, people in Europe, pre you know, the Holocaust, there were certain people who saw it on the walls and either got out to America, got out to, you know, Israel at the time, which, you know, pre-1948, right. which they called it Palestine because of the British mandate, which is Israel, um, and was Jewish occupied and in our indigenous homeland. 
people who are, we'll say, waking up right now who are smart enough to get out now or can get out or see the writing on the wall, Eve, it's scary. And I, yeah, I, I, I can't so predict, I can't predict as, the future, but it's scary. So as, as much as I would love to see more people come and live in Israel, because we haven't even begun to reach our potential. And when more people are here with all their different ways of life and ways of thinking and creativity, this country is, uh, oh my God, I can't even imagine where it's going to go. I don't know if we're going to be around to see it, but this country is just wild. I couldn't be anywhere else. But Jews should be able to live wherever they want, not in fear. I don't want people coming to Israel because they couldn't live somewhere else because of anti-Semitism. Also because it says something really bad about those societies. When you start up with the Jews, it usually is the death knell for your entire society because you're coming out against freedom and you're coming out against free thinking and rebellion. That's all that we, we the, Judaism is a religion of rebellion. It's, we're yelling at God. We're saying things should be better. And we're constantly trying to bring people up to a level that they don't think they can get to. And we show them that they can. And once societies come out against us, they end up imploding. And I love the United States. I've said this a million times on this show. I did not make Aliyah get away from America. I love America. I think it's one of the greatest countries that the planet probably ever saw. Of course, I wasn't around the other times, but I know enough. Um, and it, it hurts me so badly to see this great and country. And I'll say, I'm, I'm a patriot. I love America. I'm a proud registered Republican. I've actually run for office uh, twice. One time was gerrymandered and out of office. One, I lost an election uh, in a recount. Um, and we're going to vote for it another time because it's okay. real here and sad. And as wow. a Republican, I will say it, it, this country has to, we'll talk about election Okay. Well, balloting's another time. Okay. But I love America. I am very patriotic. My father served in the U.S. Army during the Korean War. I'm as a reservist who came from Canada and said, "This is my country. I'm, oh, I'm joining. I'm, nice. I'm there." Um, I love America greatly. I'm very patriotic, and would like not only to see America grow and thrive and continue to be the best and continue to grow, but as a society and humanity and seeing, um, the people on the ground here and seeing that we don't have closed borders in the South and seeing how we're sort of failing at protecting our own citizens here and allowing what's going on to fester and to grow, it's scary. You see it in Europe and you see it here right now. And I don't um, know what will be, but the sad reality is, is that it's happening and yeah. it's only getting worse. And there are too many people in very prominent places in America, government, et cetera, who I believe sometimes are anti-American. So they're using America and the freedoms of America in order to destroy America. And that, and I don't know how, I don't know how you're gonna stop that. We to some degree have that here. There's some really nasty people in our government and in our court system who are also trying to undermine that unity and that sense of purpose and push their own agenda. Remains to be seen how that is dealt with because a lot of people are quite upset with some of the things that have you know happened in the past couple of weeks. While guys are literally dying in the trenches, people are pushing their political agendas. Like, really? So um, we'll see how that goes. But that's our battle here in Israel. You know, the Americans have their battle, uh, battles to, to wage to save America. We've got our battles here to wage just to keep Israel on track. And, uh, but, you know, but the, the joint understanding, and of course, when people come here from the United States and get and understand the spirit of Israel, perhaps bring it back to America with them, and that gives you something there. It's, you know, great for both sides. It's unfortunate that it took, you know, that it's a war situation. But uh, even with the worst times and the worst situations, there are good things that come out of it. 
And faith is one of those sidebars as well. As, as we lose faith in virtually all of our human leadership from every which way, then at times there's really only one way to look and say, okay, I don't know what the plan is here, and I certainly don't like it, but there is a plan. There is a plan, and we have to hope and pray for better days and for the prophecies, the good prophecies to come true. But we're going to have... We're going to be girding our loins to go into biblical, uh, biblical words again, and we have a lot to do. We we have a lot to do, and um, and we need you know, everybody to, to learn a lot to do. A lot to learn, a lot to do. Have to have humility over what we can accomplish, but there's no excuse for not trying 120 percent. So I want to thank you so much, really. For it was great spending those three days with you. And um, I want to thank you. I want to thank one Islam fund for having me on their mission, for making the mission, for making it, you know, you helping to make it a huge success. And also thank you for having me on your podcast this morning or today, uh, your time uh, right. this morning, your time later on <laughs> in the day. I had to wait till you got semi over jet lag. And I just want to throw it out since you mentioned Bardock. We didn't even realize until after the mission was over. You were telling me about your favorite pizza place. And I'm like, that's my my, that's my son's in-laws. Okay, that's their their daughter. My son. You were like, what? I said, yeah, it's so great. By the way, I advise everybody have one of your kids marry someone who has a phenomenal restaurant because then all the birthday parties for the grandchildren will happen there, and you can just show up. It's really great. No, but they're wonderful people. It's a great business. It was just so funny. We're like, really? We didn't even know. Too funny. Small worlds. Anyway, yep. thank you so much, Gabriel. I know you're going to be back here before I turn around because God willing, you know, like you just can't stay away from this place. And and you've done. We didn't even get into a lot of. You mentioned the barbecues, but I've been following you. You've been doing a tremendous amount. You brought things. You've been distributing things. You have just been inflamed with the whatever you had on a low burner is now full flame. And um, I know you're going to be back here much sooner rather than later. Continuing to do what you can for Israel for the Jewish people. And for yourself, too, because yep. uh, you take that back with you. And I, I so appreciate it. So thank you to Tabitha and to Ben for editing the show. Um, for all of you for listening, Eve Harrow, Rejuvenation on the Land of Israel Network. I'll be back next week, I hope. Never know what's going on here from day to day. But um, doing our best, and all of us need to do our best to make this world a better place. We do not deserve a world that is run by the evil ones. And so we're all going to have to fight them in our own way. So take care, everyone, from wherever you are. I hope you're well. And goodbye. Amen. Amen.